Well, it's flu season, which means a rise in incidence of hysteria and also the Chinese flu, sometimes called the Wu flu or the flu Manchu or the Kung flu or the communist dirtbag flu, or sometimes just the evil thing that China did to the rest of the world flu for short. As enumerate journalists panic in high-pitched voices over numbers that don't mean anything, governors who like power rub their sweaty hands together with glee and consider how they can torment the populations who made the mistake of voting for them with useless restrictions that will destroy your business while having no effect on numbers that don't mean anything anyway. Governor Newsom of California says because of the rise in flu cases, he will issue an executive order allowing him to wear a sterling blue military uniform with gold epaulets. These will go stunningly with the bicorn hat made popular by Napoleon Bonaparte, also a governor of California. Along with the smashing uniform, Newsom says Californians may only gather in groups of one or fewer and must pass around Thanksgiving turkey by mail. The only exceptions are looters and anyone who invites him to a party where the drinks are free. In Michigan, Governor Obersturmfuhrer <laughs> Gretchen Whitmer says the up tick in Chinese virus cases will require her to march back and forth on her balcony, swinging her straight arms in wide arcs and snapping her heels smartly on the ground with each step while a grateful state of Michigan repeatedly stabs their open hands into the air in salute. Other than that, however, no one is allowed to leave their homes unless Governor Obersturmfuhrer needs to have her hair done, in which case her stylist may go to her shop to give her a cut and blow before being executed for breaking the lockdown rules. In Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot says everyone has to stay at home except for her and gang members who urgently need to get to a drive-by shooting. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, the vast right-wing conspiracy known as Clavenon continues. Tomorrow is the mailbag. And you may say, well, what, what does that mean to me? And I will tell you. That means that right now, by a force of California law, executive order being put out for the entire country, you have to go to thedailywire.com and subscribe. You have to subscribe. You must do this or else you'll catch the Chinese flu. And once you subscribe, you can then go to the podcast page, go to the Andrew Claven podcast, get the little mailbag symbol, and you are allowed, in fact, you're required to ask me anything you want. You can ask me about religion. You can ask me about your personal life. You can ask me about politics. And all my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Will they change your life for the better? That's the question. You can find that out tomorrow when we get to the mailbag. Also, while you're doing all that, taking care of business, go on the YouTube page, the Andrew Claven YouTube channel, and subscribe so you can get all my comment, all my content, which if you hit that little bell, the content is just sent to you automatically uh, by a little gnome who shows up and then stands on your lawn, decorating your lawn and delivering content. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore, but the important thing is leave a comment. If you leave a comment and it is sufficiently cruel and uh, unthinking and selfish, we will include it on this show as just a natural part of the commentary. Uh, from Garrison Barillet, I believe it is, or maybe Barillet, but it's Garrison Barillet. He says, since Thanos percent... 
<laughs> I have an audience filled with psychotics. Since, then, since Thanos presented scientific evidence that killing 50% of the population helps wealth and environment, does that make the Avengers science deniers? Uh, yes, it does, uh, especially when they start flying around because you can't do that. Oh, you know what's coming up? Black Friday. That means deals, and that means you should go and take a look at Mac Weldon. That's where you get men's essentials. I am wearing a Mac Weldon t-shirt. Even as I speak, you can hear the confidence and comfort in my voice. Mac Weldon is offering an exclusive all-black pack, which includes a t-shirt like the black one I'm wearing, uh, underwear and socks inside of a packable backpack. The all-black pack comes with more than 150 bucks worth of products, but on Black Friday, you can get them for just 98 bucks. Mack Weldon is a great place to go for socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, active shorts. They promise comfort and a consistent fit. I really like them. I really think they, they feel good and they look good. To grab your exclusive all-black pack for just 98 bucks while supplies last, visit MacWeldon.com slash Clavin and enter promo code Clavin. You'll also get 20% off your first order. That's MacWeldon.com slash Clavin, promo code Clavin for 20% off and the all-black pack for 98 bucks. Mack Weldon reinventing men basics. You want to rip open your shirt, show them that you're wearing a t-shirt like mine and say, how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Also, you know, just let me address this for a minute before we really get started. A lot of people are, uh, not a lot of people, but there are a number of people who are leaving comments. They're angry at me because I'm not convinced that the election was stolen. It was not a gigantic heist. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested in that. Look, I don't know whether it was stolen any more than you do. You and I don't know. We are hearing what lawyers are saying, uh, and they're saying, oh, we've got all the evidence. That's their job to say that. Then we're hearing what reporters are saying. They're saying the evidence is baseless. That's not their job. That's different. They are being low-life scum for doing that because they don't know either. So none of us knows. We're waiting for the information to come in. And all I can tell you is what it looks like to me. That's what I can tell you. What is the alternative to that? You want me to tell you what you think would be nice to have happen? Is that, is that why you're turning this on? You want me to tell you that everything is tickety-boo, it's just exactly the way you think it is? I, you know, I can't do that. I, that's not loyalty to me. That's not being uh, conservative to me. I, my, my loyalty is to telling you the truth as I see it, which is that I don't know the answer. There may be a big surprise. Right now, the vote looks exactly like what I feared it would look like. The Democrats lost in districts that Trump also lost in. I don't see how you set that fraud up, right? I mean, people voted against Trump, but they also voted against the Democrats in the same districts. Georgia counted the votes by hand, uh, and they had some Dominion software. That's the one that everybody says is so suspect uh, in a couple of counties, and the, the count was right. The count was not uh, jiggered by the, uh, by the software. And people said, well, they counted the, the votes, but did they certify the signature? You can't certify the signatures after the vote. It's a secret ballot. Uh, you certify a signature when somebody comes in. That's why we believe in showing picture, photo ID, and signing things. We believe that, you know, your identity should be uh, a certain before you vote. But even if that's true, even if these are fraudulent, I don't see how they're going to prove it now. So, you know, this, these are things that the Trump people could have done beforehand. They could have sued to stop certain things from happening. They didn't. Now, I just don't see how this is going to be overturned unless it's true they come in and they have this amazing algorithm. Here's this thing that says every time you vote for Biden, it switches over to Trump. That could happen. It would have to be a pretty big, it would be a big deal if it did. I'd be surprised. 
But I've been surprised before. I could be wrong. All I can tell you is what I think. And if you don't want me to do that, you're right. You know, you should leave. But when you call, you say, oh, I'm a Democrat because I don't think the thing was stolen. You know, I can only tell you what I think. And again, since none of us knows, I don't understand why why it would be a better thing for me to do to tell you, oh, it looks another way, a different way, just because that would make you feel better. That that is not what the show is about. That's not what I'm about. And so I'm just I'm just telling you what I think. And again, if I turn out to be wrong, no one will be happier than me. No one will be happier than me to have another four more years of Donald Trump. It'll be, if nothing else, it would be a lot more fun than having four years of watching Joe Biden slowly fade into the wallpaper. All right. Now, one of the most comical aspects about the left is the way they keep accusing right-wingers of harboring conspiracy theories while they're continually hatching conspiracies. They want children to be sexually transitioned and propagandized about every possible sexual perversity, and then they make fun of right-wingers for believing in QAnon, which is false in fact, but inspired by an open, massive conspiracy of child abuse. They say defund the police, and then they accuse us of being paranoid for thinking that means defund the police. Where'd we get that silly idea? They attack us with the news media and then cry like little girls when we call them out for attacking us with the news media. Oh, you're damaging the First Amendment. How can we think there being anything but objective when they attack our president 95% of the time? They censor us on social media and call us absurd for thinking they censor us on social media. And now there's the Great Reset. I don't know if you've heard about this, but this is pretty amazing. Conservatives are always being attacked for believing that, for instance, governors are overstepping their powers by closing businesses and mandating masks and telling people how many guests they can have for Thanksgiving. We think they're taking advantage of a disease to seize power and also to accustom us to losing our freedom, to accustom us to obey, to obeying. Uh, we don't want to be accustomed to obeying. They can take their masks and shove them. Silly us, okay? Then you go on a website the website of the World Economic Forum. These are those jackass elites who meet at Davos every year and they fantasize about controlling the future for the rest of us. They must be smarter than us. Look how much money they make. You go on their website and you find their plans for the Great Reset, a scheme to use the pandemic to seize power for international institutions in the name of socialism. That's what it is. Here's what they say. They say the Great Reset has three parts. Greater economic policy coordination among nations to, quote, steer the market toward fairer outcomes. Sounds like international socialism to me. They want, two, international control over investments so that they, quote, ensure that investments advance shared goals such as equality and sustainability. International socialism. Three, to harness the innovations of the fourth industrial revolution to support the public good, especially by addressing health and social challenges. That sounds kind of like international socialism. So they left out four, where all of these schmucks are tarred and feathered and carried on rails down to the river Landwasser in Davos, where we toss them in like so much English tea. It's an old habit we have. Who decided that equality and sustainability are our shared goals? Neither of those is my goal. Who gave them the power to steer investments and harness innovations and let instead of investments and innovations going where they're needed and where people are willing to pay for them as capitalism dictates? These guys need to be put on international television and kicked swiftly in the backside to bring them back to a realistic sense of where they stand in the big scheme of things. The the imprint of our boot on the seat of their pants will remind them who they really are instead of who they think they are when they look in their golden framed mirrors. So 
In the old days, when people were having trouble with sex, when guys were having trouble with sex, they'd go out and they'd kill a rhinoceros and grind his horn up. In fact, people still do this, and there are two problems. You can see why they thought that might work, but the two problems with this, one, the rhinoceros doesn't like it, and two, it doesn't work. You know what works? Viagra, Cialis, that stuff actually works. And now you can get it in chewable form with Blue Chew. Get to bluechew.com. Bluechew.com has the first ever chewable with the same ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis. Plus, it's cheaper now because they don't have the patent on them anymore. You can take these anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. It's cheaper than the actual brand names and it works. <laughs> it's really good stuff. So here's a great deal. Save the rhinoceros. Save the rhinoceros. <laughs> Visit bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code Claven. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Claven. Who can't spell blue? The problem, the real problem we have here is how do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's in Claven. I just make it look this incredibly easy. The opposite of this, the opposite of the Great Reset is the magazines, the Trump vaccines that have come out because of Donald Trump's, uh, what Donald Trump did. Hey, you know, I, I want to stop for just a second and go back to this, this thing with Dallas. You know, yesterday there was this big foofarah about some British rock star. What's his name? Uh, uh, Styles, Harry Styles. Yeah, and he went on, he went on Vogue uh, in a dress and uh, there was a big, uh, you know, argument about it. Candace Owens called him out saying we need men to be manly. And Ben Shapiro backed, backed her up and all this stuff. And, you know, I have to be honest. My reaction was, what's it to me if a British guy wants to act like a sissy? I mean, have, do you know the British? Have you ever heard the way they talk? <laughs> Come on. Plus, he's a rock star. It's not even original. I mean, David Bowie used to do this back in the day. It was a little different because Bowie had talent. But still, you know, British rock stars dressing up as, as girls is not, is not a big thing. Here's what bothers me. What bothers me is guys who lead us acting like girls, which brings me to Justin Trudeau or Bieber or whichever. I can't, I always get those two confused. Justin Trudeau in Canada, who is the ultimate metrosexual will-of-a-wisp, he buys into this great reset 100%. So you know who's backing it. This is like cut 22. Here's Trudeau. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. That's the guy in the dress who bothers me, okay? Because it is, what men do is they depend on freedom and they want freedom and they're willing to take risks for freedom and they're willing to stand up for their country and their freedom of their country. It's only like metrosexual Harry Styles like guys in dresses like Justin Trudeau who are willing to turn over all the power to these experts in Davos because look how rich they are, they must know something. The opposite of this is the magazines. It's the, Trump's, the Trump vaccines that are there because of Operation Warp Speed. Now here's, I'm just gonna read a little of this from the Wall Street Journal. He says, the, the, these are a this is a miracle. Okay, this is a scientific miracle. This is when they talk about science and how we should respect science. This is where I respect science. This is an amazing thing that was done because Trump said, let's get this done and it got done. This is virtually like it is as close to curing the common cold as we've ever seen, that they could come up with in the course of months, 95% effective vaccines for this kind of uh, coronavirus 
is startling, all right? And the Wall Street Journal says credit here goes to private drug investment and innovation, but also to the Trump administration for speeding up government approvals, right? What Trump did is he pulled the FDA off these guys. The FDA is a hyper, listen, obviously we want controls on medicines, right? You don't want to take a medicine and suddenly find you have a big horn growing out of the side of your head. Although I'd kind of like that, but most of us don't want that. You don't want to have that. You want the FDA to oversee these things, but they are a bureaucracy. Bureaucracies are meant to slow things down. That's why you have bureaucracies. So they do irrational stuff. Like for instance, when they make a medicine for a disease that is fatal, they say, well, we can't test this on human beings. And you think, why not? They're going to die without the disease. What's the worst thing that can happen to them? They say, well, it gives them false hope. It's like, who cares? There's only false hope if the medicine doesn't work. You know, it's, it's just nonsense. And the other thing they do, and this is typical of experts and typical of internationalists, all right, if they find a, uh, a medicine that helps some people but not other people, if it's effective in certain cases, but not other cases, they will, they'll say, well, it doesn't have a widespread effect, so we can't really release that, right? That's ridiculous. That is utterly ridiculous. The other day, the World Health Organization, they were testing remdesivir, which uh, I, think is, I think is one of the things that Trump took when he got over it. Uh, and the thing is, the remdesivir helps certain kinds of people at certain moments in the disease. If they get it very quickly, older people, I believe, uh, it, it helps people. It lessens the disease. It lessens the death rate, something like 44%, a lot, right? So the World Health Organization, they ran a trial and reported there was no benefit from this and other antiviral drugs uh, because what they found is that um, they, they found that they used aggregated data from different countries that had didn't have the kind of healthcare we have, right? So they were saying, well, if you use this in Lebanon, if you use this in South Africa, if you use this in Pakistan or Albania, uh, you know, it's not going to have a good effect. It's not going to have a good effect. And it's, yeah, but if you use it in America, where we have excellent, excellent healthcare because we've kept it free this long until Obamacare, we kept it a free market healthcare, so we have great healthcare system, then it has an effect. It has an effect, and it's going to help some people. So this is the thing. Here is Kathleen Sebelius. She was the uh, Health and Human Services Director under Obama, right? And she has she's being forced to give, she's there prying some credit for the Trump administration out of her mouth. But listen to what she says. This is cut four. You said Operation Warp Speed has been very successful. How much credit do you give to the Trump administration now for this vaccine development? I give a lot of credit to the Trump administration for understanding that the muscle of the federal government, the financing from the federal government, the urgency from the federal government makes a huge difference. <laughs> she, she can only see one side of the equation. She can only see the side of the equation where the federal government used its muscle. Federal government used its muscle. Yeah, but it used its muscles to support free market innovation. Companies competing with each other, trying to beat each other to get the federal funds and to use the federal funds and to get and to use those federal funds to get ahead of their, their competition. This was a good partnership between the government and private business in an emergency. This is a good thing, whereas the left always wants to use these emergencies for the Great Reset. The Great Reset is just international socialism. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So then they accuse us. They accuse us of being conspiracy theories while they conspire against us in plain sight. It's on their website. You know, it's, it's just... It's just a little bit of non 
Harry Styles' manly courage to get things done and to believe that free people can get things done and to believe that they don't need to be taken care of by the rich. And one of the things that I'm looking at, when I look at this election, I keep seeing good news in this election, and I know we're all disappointed. You know, <laughs> this is the thing that gets me. I'm, I'm s severely disappointed to lose Donald Trump as president. I think he was doing a great job. But I, I, war I warned you guys that this might be one of the outcomes, and I think it was one of the outcomes, and I hope it's turned around, and I hope they go into court, and it's a dr dramatic Perry Mason thing where they reveal uh, all this fraud, and it's all turned around, and it, this is all a bad dream. Okay, fine. But I keep saying also a lot of good stuff, and what I'm seeing is, is that our people, the American people, are still there. Our flag is still there. The American people are still the American people. You know, it's, it is endemic to conservatives to think that just because people are conspiring, they will win. And just because the left is doing stuff, it will work. That, that is the way conservatives think. You know, I, I got a letter the other day saying, you know, that somebody once said that the news media gives the Democrats a five to 10 point advantage. How can you not think, said this letter, that with them doing everything they could to bring Trump down, and there's just no question about it, doesn't that mean that they had a 20% advantage? And I thought, maybe, but maybe what I think actually is they have so thoroughly discredited, them, discredited themselves that they have so thoroughly discredited themselves that nobody is listening to the mainstream media anymore. So I know it's hard to pay attention to what I'm saying when you're just looking at me and thinking, how does he look that great? And the way I look this great is I work out all the time. And when I can't get out and hike, I love to use this Echelon bike. It is, it really is great. It's one of these bikes that hooks up to your iPad and you can get a class on it. I, I have this lady that I like, I think her name is Lindsay. She tells you exactly, as you're pedaling, as you 45 minute workout, she tells you exactly what to do, how to use the bike, and you really, really get a good workout. They have world-class instructors. They motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes, always available when you need them, or you can do them live, and you can watch your rating, how fast you're going compared to everybody else. It really gets you going if you have a competitive instinct. Uh, Echelon is cheaper than the other uh, bikes, and they also have fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart treadmill. Go to echelonfit.com slash Clavin. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash Clavin. I don't know about the, who writes this copy. Anybody can spell echelon, but how? Oh, how? You're asking yourself how? Please tell me how. Do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N if you forgot from the last ad. So I want to read you something. This is really an amazing piece, and it's from the left. It is, you know, I try to keep abreast of what the left is saying. And for a long time, I was reading the New York Times to find out what the left was saying. But the problem with that, the problem with reading the New York Times is that they lie even to their own people. They have now become a, uh, a kind of college newspaper that says what they think will have the effect on people that they want it to have. They're not telling people, they're not saying to the left, oh, the evil Trump, here's what we, he did and here's what we did wrong and all this stuff. They're not doing that. They're telling you what you want to hear as some of the people want me to tell them what, what they want to hear. So they've become, the Times has become almost useless except as, as, as a source of satire, for which I'm grateful. I feel like I should send them a little, uh, you know, a little money every, every week uh, to, for, the, for the satire. But the Daily Beast has a really important piece. And I want to read this to you because I, you know, I just want to visit with the left for a moment to find out what they're saying about us, okay? Biden won the battle 
but Dems are losing the social media war. That sounds like almost something like I have been saying for the last several days. This is by three Daily Beast writers, and the subhead is insular, impenetrable worlds are developing online that Democrats aren't reaching. That's us. Hey, that's us. We are insular, impenetrable worlds. The Democrats aren't reaching or matching. It didn't doom them in 2020, but it could down the road. All right, so they see us coming and they're not happy. As the, I'm, I got to read, a, I'm going to read a substantial piece of this because it really is wonderful. It's wonderful to see this from their point of view. I just really, I'm really interested in it. It's a kind of a, it's kind of a dishonest article in some ways. It's so slanted, it's dishonest, but it's kind of charming uh, to see what they're thinking. As the 2020 election hit its home, before we crush them, of course, and you might, you might, by the way, if you have your leftist tears tumbler, you might want to keep it handy to watch it magically fill up as I read this to you. As the 2020 election hit its home stretch, Joe Biden's digital team began seeing alarming trends online. Posts about the candidate's son, Hunter Biden, and the contents of his laptops were spreading at incredible rates. Many of the posts were misleading at best. <laughs> Biden's campaign had set up a comprehensive monitoring system to track the proliferation of disinformation across various platforms, and they'd seen their fair share of rumor, innuendo, and smear fly across the internet before. That's a political campaign. That's true. That's true of both sides. Um, but this was entirely different. This was spreading so fast. They were afraid that there would be a redux of that disastrous end of the campaign implosion of Hillary Clinton and her emails. What they found was more assuring. While the Hunter Biden story had taken off on Facebook, YouTube, and various right-wing sites, it had not crossed over into mainstream outlets. So in other words, they saw what we saw, that the mainstream stomped on this story, which was a valid story. They think it wasn't a valid story. So we see this differently, right? We see a good story that was stomped on by the mainstream media, and they are celebrating that but wait a minute, how did it get out there so much? Well, I told you at the time it got out there because we got it out there, right? And now they're seeing this, this thing is happening. They, they're seeing that the mainstream media crushed this. But here's what they're not seeing, okay? Here's what they just don't see, and it really is amazing. Here is a press conference with Joe Biden, just the questions taken out by our friends at Newsbusters. Now, I don't like to play pornography like and just have seen, scenes of oral sex like this, but this is what you're going to be watching. This is like the news media sexually servicing Joe Biden. Just, just listen to the questions they're asking. It's cut five. What do you see as the biggest threat to your transition right now, given President Trump's unprecedented attempt to obstruct and delay a smooth transfer of power? You just spoke of some of the dangers of the president's continued stonewalling of this transition, but it doesn't appear that the president is going to come around anytime soon and admit defeat. So what are you going to do? What options do you have to try and ensure that you are ready to go on day one? You have been urging the American public to continue practicing social distancing and wearing a mask, but with cases skyrocketing across the country, do you think that more governors should be closing non-essential businesses and reinstating stay-at-home orders? And just uh, following up on that, especially with many states reporting new highs in terms of the daily number of cases and a lot of public health officials sounding the alarm over the holidays, would you? what is your message to people who are considering, for example, getting together with their families and others for Thanksgiving? They, they should really give the press knee pads if this is the way this is going to go. I'm sorry. I know that's a little grotesque joke, but it, it's, it's, it's descriptive. It's the only one I can think of. Um, 
because the left can't see that this is biased, because they think this is just reality, they can't see why we're beating them on social media. So they say, as the party, this is back to the Daily Beast, as the party takes stock of an election in which it suffered unexpected losses down ballot and a major triumph at the top of the ticket, at least one area of agreement has emerged. Democrats are still losing the war online. AIDS, tasked with monitoring this universe, compared it to a centipede where disinformation started as a kernel in one spot and maneuvered its way through a chain of larger and larger pages and platforms. Salem Media, ooh, get some danger music in here. Salem Media, Western Journal, Judicial Watch, amazing Judicial Watch, the one place where they saw it, where they file Freedom of Information Act requests to get information out of the government, which the press doesn't do. The Bongino Report, ooh, that evil Dan Bongino. Infowars, Ben Shapiro, and Daily Wire. That's kind of going up the ladder from the smallest to the largest. I love the fact that Ben and us are put in there with Infowars, that's great. They would all pass, we would all pass along similar stories, videos, and recordings, providing a type of information feedback loop that was boosted by Facebook's algorithm and more importantly, drew in audiences who never felt like they needed to go elsewhere for news. Why don't we go elsewhere for news? Because they lie elsewhere for news. That's why. And just remember, you know, remember Tara Reid versus Blasey Ford. Remember Biden's laptop versus Russian collusion. You know, all these, you can, you can't have Thanksgiving, but you can go and riot again and again and again, the double standard of love, but they don't see it. They think that that's winning. See, it's not winning. It's winning when you tell the truth. It's winning when people can tell the truth and argue back and forth over what the truth means. So Fox News said one Biden campaign staffer became the left pole of the media ecosystem for a lot of people on the right. There is a broad swath of the American right for which Fox News is now the center and the info they rely on is from their friends online and on Facebook. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a major triumph for us. This means that we are making people more conservative. And, you know, obviously when you've got people like Ben and me, I mean, we're being cursed out as Democrats by some people, you know, when you have people like Ben and me and, and Dan, who is also a, a staunch conservative, but these guys are not a, uh, extremists in any way, shape or form, it's a good thing if we're bringing people in line. These are people afraid of what is going on because we're winning, because we're beating them, as I keep telling you we are. And now, because they are clueless, we have a chance to move into, to start eating into their audience. This is the thing, right now we're meeting, we're, we're reaching the people who kind of agree with us and we're, we're educating them and we're giving information to them that they, can't, they know they can't get elsewhere, but we are still not reaching the people, the moderates who would listen to us, who have, think we have something to say, and we should. We should be doing that. We should be taking care uh, to do that and expanding and, and building sites to do that. Uh, I, I just want to go on and get a couple of more things. Uh, Moments that should have been politically damaging for the president, says the Daily Beast, were turned into powerful tools to buck up his supporters and reinforce his key messaging. <laughs> Tara McGowan, a leading Democrat digital strategist, says impeachment was so bad for us because it fit into Trump's meta-narrative that they reinforced every day that a deep state conspiracy was after them. Once again, they're accusing us of a conspiracy while they're conspiring. They actually impeached this president over a phone call he had with the president of the Ukraine while the media cheered them on, and it was bad for them. Why was it bad for them? If NBC and CBS and ABC were supporting it, the New York Times and the Washington Post were supporting it, why was it bad for them? They're telling us it was bad. They, they the Democrats, why? It, because of us. 
because of us, because we were telling them the truth, because we were laughing it off. And most people in this country have a lot of common sense. And it's not because we're lying to them. It's because it made sense. What we were saying made sense. And they're so immersed in their bubble, these guys, they don't understand why this is here hurting them. Here's more. Months later, as racial unrest erupted, <clears throat> occasionally violently in cities around the country, Democrats faced the same feedback loop of conservative posts and commentary that reinforced some of the president's central political messaging. Namely, they were rioting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The truth is what they're trying to fight against, right? And here's this same lady, Tara McGowan, says, I don't know if we would have been able to recover from the law and order narrative. See, they think it's a narrative. They don't understand that it's actually a riot. I don't know if we would have been able to recover from the law and order narrative if the president himself hadn't contracted the virus. Frankly, if the pandemic had not come, I think we would have absolutely lost this presidential election. Now, when the president caught the virus, I came on and told you, quoting one of a right-wing pollster, that this was the worst thing that had ever happened to a president during a campaign. And you all yelled, the same people who are yelling at me now about the election yelled at me then, saying, no, 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 it's a good thing he caught the virus. No, it wasn't, because it fed into what they were saying, that they were saying, it's a virus, it's real, you should wear a mask. And Trump was obviously not doing that. That's not that's a, a value thing. We valued the president's uh, courage. We valued the fact that he wasn't being dominated by the virus. A lot of people didn't. And a lot of people looked at that and they thought, oh, wow, the people, the press was right. He did catch this. I don't want to catch it. This is a bad thing. I told you at the time, because here we're telling you the truth. We're not telling you the narrative. I told you at the time that was a bad thing for him. And that's what they're saying. Now, here's the stuff. Here's the part about this I love. David Goldstein, the CEO of the digital media organization Tovo Lab and a former Obama pollster, estimated that he was on at least one to 200 different conference calls with Democrats this cycle and heard only one person mention talking to Trump voters on Facebook. If we were to say to Democrats, there's this evangelical group that are 80% against you, the immediate Democrat response is, whoa, we'll never catch them. But tell a Republican group, hey, this group of urban black women are 94% against you, and they immediately think, oh, this is 6% for us. In other words, we are reaching out. They're not. They can't because their whole narrative is anyone who disagrees with them. Anyone who disagrees with them is the bad guy. They can't reach out. They can't reach out because you're Nazis. You're hateful. You're horrible. How can they reach out to you? But we don't think that way. We just think they're wrong. We can convince them. We can convince anyone who's willing to listen to us and we're selling something they want, which is freedom. This is good news, guys. I'm telling you, this is good news. It's going to come down the pike. we got to keep fighting. We can't just relax about it. But it is wonderful, wonderful news that we are turning this narrative around. It's all about the culture. It is all 100% about the culture. We are starting to win. So Christmas is coming. The holidays are coming. I know many of you are looking forward to going to the post office and standing online while people sneeze on you. But for those of you who'd rather do something both safer and more efficient, go getyourselfstamps.com. It brings all of the services of the post office right into your computer and also UPS, which is incredibly useful. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business, small or large, or just for people who want to send out gifts to the people they love. With Stamps.com, anything you can do at the post office, you can do with just a few clicks. Plus, Stamps.com saves your money with deep discounts that you can't even get 
at the post office. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. Sign up for stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With my promo code Claven, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Claven. That's stamps.com. Enter Claven. You never have to go to the post office again if and only if you can spell Claven. Which, by the way, just in case you're wondering, is K-L-A-V-A-N. You know, one of our favorite culture warriors is the Daily Wire God King, Jeremy Boring. And he has a show he brings out from time to time, a podcast called Enough. The last time he brought it out, he went after the press big time. And it was charted number six on all Apple podcasts almost immediately. And it, it was just really good stuff. The stuff he, he you know, he, he really knows the numbers about this stuff and the way the business works. And it's great stuff. We are doing a lot of stuff here, and I, this, I, sometimes I, I feel like I'm doing an ad for The Daily Wire. I'm not. I'm just telling you what I see, as I have always told you what I see. And what I see is that I, after 20 years of banging a drum and having conservatives not listen, conservatives have got the message. They have got the message. They are on the march, and you got to help us. We are part of that, and you have got to help us out. We've got Candace Owens coming on. We've got some new investigative reporters we're hiring. We've got PragerU's library, entire library, will be available through our site. We're moving into the culture sphere. Uh, it, it, it's big times for The Daily Wire. This is the move that has to be made. Support us. Come on over and subscribe. We'll make it easy for you. We'll give you 25% off with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. You have to subscribe anyway because it's a an executive order. I am putting out an executive order as the master of the multiverse. I'm putting out an executive order that you have to subscribe so you can be in the mailbag tomorrow and ask questions. But you also get all kinds of things, ad-free articles, access to all of our live broadcasts, and the show library. You get to use the app. It's terrific. Remember, it's 25% off all memberships with code election over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join the fight, folks, because we're winning. You'll want to be in it. Now, I, I know that I know you're conservative, so you don't want to hear this, but there's a little more good news. No, no, not good news. We're conservative. No, no, it's good news. I have to, I'm sorry, I must. I you know, it's just brace yourself. Brace yourself, because there's something else. There's a Clinton pollster named Mark Penn, and he's a Clinton pollster. Okay, but he's I've always found him, you know, a fairly a lot of these pollsters, because they deal with numbers, they're not as dishonest as you think they would be. They're trying to get it right. They clearly messed up tremendously this time. They do not know how to get their polls right. I don't believe that that was a conspiracy, but but I think they are. They've lost their, their profession has become useless. But here is Mark Penn, a Democrat, and here's what he says. He says, despite billions of dollars spent on persuasion, massive increases in turnout, a media with an agenda, and racial unrest, the changes in American voting patterns were minuscule. This is what he's saying about this election. We are one country divided by two parties. The nation is largely moderate, practical, and driven by common sense over ideology. Most voters prefer compromise on healthcare, immigration, stimulus, and other thorny issues that the extremes of the parties have pushed to the limits. Only 24% of voters identify as liberal, while 38% say they're conservative, according to CNN exit polls. Another 38% are moderate, despite the widespread uh, publicity given the left since 2014, a good year for Republicans, the percentage of self-identified liberals declined two points while the share of conservatives increased three points. 
This, these, <laughs> these are numbers. These are real numbers. These are numbers that mean something. It means something is having an effect. I think it's us. I think it's, I think it's the new media. You know, so, well, let me ask you this. Here's, here's Whoopi Goldberg. I'm just going to play a random cut. Here's Whoopi Goldberg, cut 13, talking about the GOP and the virus. And that's what all of this is. And when you go into vote in Georgia, remember, this is the party that doesn't care if you drop dead because you can't breathe. <clears throat> Clearly, they know what has to happen and they're not doing it. This is the party, the GOP is the party that doesn't care if you drop dead, okay? The percentage of self-identified liberals declined two points while the share of conservatives increased three points. So when you look at the media and you say, look what they're doing, they're killing us, they're, de- they're taking away votes, they're actually not. They have, ex- you know, with Trump's help, really, they have exposed themselves as completely unreliable. Nobody is looking at Whoopi Goldberg who disagrees with her and thinking, oh yeah, that's, that's the facts, those are the facts. Everybody knows who she, who she is. All right. He says, by now, this is still Mark Bent, by now everyone has heard that President Trump did worse in the suburbs and better with minorities than in 2016. While technically true, the suburban swing occurred before the 2018 midterms. In other words, he lost those voters. We know he lost those voters in the midterms. The minority shift was relatively small except for Hispanic voters in Florida and the border towns of Texas. Some surprising findings have been overlooked. Mr. Trump's margin of victory among white women increased from 11 to 13 points. There was a lot of talk that suburban white women were turning against him. Doesn't look like they did. This is according to exit polls, but exit polls that have been adjusted. But his advantage among white men narrowed from 30 points to 23 points. That's really, I think, what happened is moderate white men uh, turned away from him. Mr. Biden won almost all the liberals and Mr. Trump won almost all the conservatives. But Mr. Biden expanded the Democratic lead among moderates to 30 points from 12 to 2016. The single most significant change, moderate men swung the race to Biden. And this is because of the uh, virus, I think. Um, The Biden campaign focused on character. But if character outweighed issues, Mr. Trump would have lost by 20 points. Democrats did win. Remember, this is a Democrat speaking. Democrats did win on the virus, which was probably what turned the tide. Now, listen to this. It is highly significant that in deep blue California, two ballot measures to end a constitutional ban on racial preferences by government and to repeal restraints on commercial property tax increases both went down by wide margins. Who told you about this? Me. That's why. That's why you know it's important. The country might have shifted in favor of looser marijuana laws, but it doesn't generally favor higher taxes, nor has it lost faith in the idea of a post-racial society. Of course it hasn't. Of course it hasn't. You heard Bill Maher say this the other day, that the left's ideas about race are the ideas of the Ku Klux Klan. Now, I celebrate that Bill Maher said it, but we've been saying it here for, for years, right? Racism is racism. It doesn't matter. The devil doesn't care who does the hating. As long as the hating gets done, this is racism straight up. This racial theory that they're selling, it's racism. When you bring people in an office and tell them that they have to pay attention to the guy they're having over for a barbecue and they have to worry about the color of his skin, it's racism. It's not going to work. It just makes people more alienated. They may, ba- they may kowtow in the office because they don't want to lose their job, but in the voting booth, they're not going to. Respondents to a not-yet-released Harris poll named, what do you think is the most important American value? What do you think that that, that respondents to a not-yet-released Harris poll named as the most important American value? Free speech. Free speech. 
the speech that's being censored by Jack Boots Dorsey on Twitter, the speech that's being censored on the news, the speech that they want to censor the New York Times, they want to get rid of the First Amendment because it's disinformation and hate speech. Mark Penn adds, these are critical signals from the voters that a new administration can ignore only at its peril. Let's listen once again to, let's listen to Ilhan Omar for a second, cut 12. To speak about me at every single rally didn't really matter where he was, uh, right. sometimes multiple times in a day, um, as he had held his Klan rallies throughout the country. So she's calling these rallies where tens of thousands of Americans showed up. She's calling them Klan rallies. And it's good politics to bring her up, right? It's good politics to bring her up, just like it's good politics for them to bring up people that they hate and to their people. We understand that. This, this is the political game. You know, you can't get swept up into the political game. Ilan Omar is in a district like this big, right? She can call all these people, 71 million people, maybe more, who voted for Donald Trump, more than have voted for any other president before except Joe Biden, right? A huge number of people. She can call them Klansmen. How do you think that's going to play with those moderates who are just trying to pay attention to what is going on? And you know, this is this is really important. <laughs> I, I am a conservative. And the reason I'm a conservative is because I believe in freedom. That's Freedom is my primary value. The right to do, think, say what I want and keep the money I make because it's my time that goes into making that money. Those are really big values to me. But I understand there are other people, kinds of people in the world women, for instance, who might value other things. They might value security. They might value uh, equality more than that. They're part of the country too. I want the country to look more like my values, okay? But I can work with them. I can't work with socialists. I can't negotiate with communists. I can't negotiate with those people. Those people are a small number of people. Most of the people in this country, and now the numbers are proving what I've always kind of sensed, most of the people in this country, we can talk to. We can talk to, look, it's their country too. It's not going to be everything that we want. It's not, you know, that's part of, part of politics is compromise. I, I, I will fight and speak as hard as I can and explain why I think freedom is the primary value. If, you know, if the world were a perfect place, would there be a, um, would there be a welfare state? Probably not, because the welfare state is just too much of a temptation to politicians. But even Frederick Hayek said, you need a welfare state because people are too afraid to be utterly free. They're too afraid to be free without a, wealth, without a safety net, right? So even people who believe, like I do, in the free market, understand that the safety net gives, gives the people the confidence they need to stay in the free, free market. So we can negotiate. We can talk. This is, the, this is the way politics work. And again and again, I keep saying this, it's the media, it's the academy, it's the entertainment industry that gets between us and tries to make us hate each other. But there's reason to believe in this election, in this election result, there is reason to believe that we don't hate each other. There's reason to believe that our flag is still there and the American people are still where it is best, I guess, for them to be, which is center-right. And why do I say it's best for them to be center-right when I'm probably a little more right-right than they are? It's best to be center-right because it means that we're all getting along. It means we're all finding a way forward. These people rioting in the streets are, are bad for the left. The people riding in the streets are bad for the left because Americans are still Americans. Americans are now a lot more different colors than they were when I was a kid. 
but they're still Americans. And the reason they're still Americans is because the American value system is the value system. This is the thing, you know? It's like you can't really mess around with freedom and equality before the law. There's a, that, those are kind of the end game of human thought. We haven't gotten, we're not gonna come up with some great new idea. I've got a great new idea, you know? Let's, let's treat black people differently than white people. We've never done that before. That's gonna be a great idea, says the New York Times. And uh, we've reached the end of this. The end of this is that we're all equal before the law, all equal, all made in God's image. That's the end of the story. So some of these things, we've kind of reached, gone as far as we can go. Now, yeah, can the country be destroyed? Yes. Will everything ultimately that man makes be mortal? Yes. But that doesn't mean that right now, we're fighting, we're always fighting for right now. And right now, the news is good. And all this stuff that they do, all the hatred that they've spewed at Donald Trump, I think like almost everything they shot at Donald Trump is going to come back and hit him right smack in the middle of the forehead. I have to end, I just have to tell you this one story, which I just love, another story from the Daily Beast. Uh, you know, this guy, Madison Cawthorn, he's in a wheelchair. He was in a car uh, van accident when he was young. Uh, he is he is a North Carolina Republican and will become the youngest member of Congress in history. Here's the Daily Beast, he, and he's a devout Christian. He's an evangelical. An evangelical Christian to the Daily Beast. Madison Cawthorn has admitted he tried to convert Jews and Muslims to Christianity. So I'm wondering, like, oh, how do they get him to admit that? Like, did they have to torture him? Did they time through and slap him around? Or was it just the fact that he's called an evangelical Christian, that that was like, like the giveaway. We've got you, Madison Cawthorn. And there were some people, there were some Jewish people online saying, oh, this is terrible. You know, I think everybody should try to convince everybody of everything. <laughs> what are we afraid of? You don't, you know, obviously you shouldn't be a jerk about it. You should obviously stop when people ask you to stop. But why shouldn't you try to convince people of what you believe, especially if what you believe in the case of Madison Cawthorn happens to be the truth and will save your soul? So I just love, I love the fact that they, they don't know. They're so far out of the mainstream, the left. And they don't know how far they are because the media is with them. This is a great advantage to us. And you know, listen, the way we win, the way we start to spread, this is, this is a beachhead. This is not victory. This is a beachhead. This is now the two armies are now at least fighting with each other as opposed to us running and hiding all the time and seeding little bits of the government all the time with our George W. Bushes and our Jeb's exclamation points and our Mitt Romney's. Now suddenly the fight is a little different. The fight looks different. We are, people are coming to our side because of what we're doing. This is how it begins, though. We don't want to get into our own bubble. We don't, we don't want to get into our own bubble. We don't want to lie to one another because that's what we want to hear. We want to tell the truth. We want to say why we believe what we, we believe. We want to listen to the other side when they're not being jackasses. We want to listen to them and hear their concerns and try to meet their concerns. There's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of work to be done. But right at this minute, as it looks like, I know it looks like defeat, and in some ways it is a defeat. I don't want to whitewash that. It is a defeat at the, at the very top. But in some ways, this is genuinely a turning point, and we have got to start. Look, I was right 20 years ago when I told people they had to pay attention to the culture. I'm right now that we have paid attention to the culture, and we're beginning to win. I know it doesn't look like that at the moment, but it is long term. I hate to break the good news to you because I know you're conservatives. I know you hate to hear it, but <laughs> we're in a good position. It's going to get better if we keep working at it. We will. The mailbag. On top of everything else, the mailbag is tomorrow, so all your problems will be solved. This is, oh my God, I can't bear it anymore. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin. We'll try and be more depressed tomorrow. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review. And also tell your friends to subscribe, too. 
We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. 